0: Yeah, I am uh, Glenn Ducharme, and I'm from New York. You can tell by the accent. Actually, I'm from Brobridge. Um, Moved off to Dallas and went to Bible college, and then wound up pastoring in Grape Land, Texas, for seven years, and then been in Reeves 31 years. And like Brandon said, just uh, about a year and a half ago, handed the senior pastor position off to my son. And uh, he's the senior pastor now, and I am out to pasture now. And I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm loving it. Yeah, Brandon, uh, him and I, we've been enjoying hunting together. Yeah, him and his dad, I mean, uh, me and his dad, we, we did a lot of good things together. We did some things was weren't good together. You know how you are before you know Christ. And, um, you know, it was just kind of great to see. Yeah, we drink now. He said we drink of the holy water, but we drink coffee too yeah (laughs) we drink coffee um you know in in catholicism um being from this area everybody's sort of familiar with catholicism they have something called a novena and a novena is about nine days of intense prayer okay well one day boudreaux was feeling guilty and um must be a boudreaux (laughs) he was feeling guilty and um he went to confession and he said, uh, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been about 10 years since my last confession. And I stole a little bit of lumber from a construction company. So the priest says, well, Boudreaux, how much lumber did you steal? And he said, well, Father Mike, I built a doghouse. And so Father Mike says, well, that's not good, Boudreau. but if you say five-hour father's and when you go out there, light a candle and put $10 in the poor box, I believe you'll be all right. He said, but Father Mike, I had a little bit of lumber left and I built me a two-car garage. <laughs> so Father Mike said, well, Boudreaux, that, that ain't good. He said, you better, you better say two rosaries along with everything else I gave you uh, to do and I, I think you'll be all right. And Boudreaux said, well, Father Mike, I had a little bit of lumber left, and I built me a two-story house. And the priest says, oh, my boudreau, you're going to have to make a novena for that. Boudro said, Father Mike, I don't know what that is, a novena, but you got the plans? I got the lumber. <laughs> I stole a little bit of lumber. Ooh. Well, uh, I, I call this message for you guys tonight. I, I had this on my heart. I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks. And like I said, uh what Brandon was telling you, I um got up, the Lord woke me up one morning, and he just impressed upon me to go sit at that computer and start putting this message together. You know, and you, you wonder, it's like, well, I don't have any engagements to speak. What are you doing? so when Brandon called... I I didn't cry, but I come real close because I realized that that God has this message for somebody here tonight. And um, I don't know who you are and I don't know what you're going through, but uh, God is wanting to speak to somebody here tonight. So I want to start off by reading a a passage of scripture and, and that'll help you understand what this is about. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21, I'm going to read this to you. Chapter Eleven is that great hall of Faith I call it where where um God tells us about all the great uh saints of the Old Testament and their faith and it says this in verse um twenty one of chapter eleven it says it was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, he blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. Now, this passage of Scripture is actually a victory dance for Jacob. It don't look like it. He's old and he's about to die and he's leaning on a staff. But anytime you worship, because it said he worshiped as he leaned on the the staff, anytime you worship, that's a victory. Anytime you worship, that's a victory. (laughs) Yeah. But the staff is more of the symbol of the victory than anything. I I believe that it represents freedom for Jacob. And I'm hoping that maybe tonight you can find some freedom a little bit. How many of us in here tonight are believers? You're born again Christian. There's hands everywhere. Just about everybody here. Now, here's the next question. How many of you, even though you're a born again Christian, you sin? Now, here's a question. Don't raise your hand. Don't answer out loud. This is for you to answer in your heart. How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? Last year when I was here, I had the ball and chain, if you remember right. And the message was about lust. (laughs) I'm not going to ask you how many of you, but I bet you there was a hundred men that came up to be anointed and prayed over last year. But think about it. Since then, have you lusted? I don't mean for you to answer that out loud. It's for you to think about. How does that make you feel? I don't know about you, but it kind of tears me up. Now, now here's one thing I know. This is this is me. Probably nobody else feels this way, but it's me. There's a lot of great things about dying and being in heaven. We'll be with Jesus. I'll get to see some of my family and friends that are born again that went ahead of me, that died ahead of me. But to me, the greatest thing about heaven other than Jesus Christ, the greatest thing is when I get there, I'll never let him down again. You know what I'm saying? As a Christian, a born-again believer, we all want to do well. But it's a struggle, man. It's a struggle. And and so I'm praying that tonight, just like Jacob, this this staff represents freedom. And I'll show you that in a minute. I'm praying that God will set you free tonight because in in the book of Luke, and we'll look at that verse after a while, but Jesus says he came, and one of the things he came to do was to set the captive free. Set the captive free. So tonight, I want to talk about your final wrestling match. I hope this is yours. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 32 now, and we're going to see... What the staff is all about, and you'll see why when I get to reading it, you'll you'll understand it a little better. But let me give you a little backstory before I actually read the passage. When Jacob was young, well, him and his brother twins inside of his mother, um, his brother Esau came out first, so by 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 law, he should have had the blessing in the family. But when Jacob was young, him and his mother. They, they deceived his father. They tricked his dad. They lied to his dad. They, they, they dressed Jacob up to smell like Esau. Esau had a lot of hair. They put lambskin on him so that when his daddy, who couldn't see very well anymore, would touch him, he would think it was his son Esau. And they lied and they deceived his dad into giving the blessing to Jacob. They took. Something that didn't belong to them. And they lied to get it. Now, this story that we're going to read is about 15 or 16 or 17 years later. So let me read the story to you. And then I've got a couple of points I'd like to share with you tonight. And hopefully God will use this to touch somebody here tonight. I'm going to begin reading in Genesis chapter 32. And I'm going to start in verse 19. Now, Jacob is, is, um, his brother heard that he's coming back. He had gone off into a foreign land. He had wound up working 14 years for two wives because his father-in-law tricked him too and, and gave him the wrong wife the first time. He had to work another seven years, but God bless and prospered Jacob and his, his in-laws got, got upset over it and, and it caused a big mess. How many of you have a mess with in-laws? Don't raise your hand. But his in-laws were giving him a hard time because God was blessing everything he did. So he had to leave, and he was going to go back to his home country. His brother Esau heard about it and was coming to meet him. And we picked the story up here. It says, Jacob gave the same instructions to the second and third herdsmen and to all who followed behind the herds. He says, you must say the same thing to Esau, his brother, when you meet him, and be sure to say, look, your servant Jacob is right behind us. Jacob thought, I will try to appease him by sending gifts ahead of me, and when I see him in person, perhaps he will be friendly to me. you got to understand that Esau had pledged to kill Jacob for what he did. So the gifts were sent on ahead while Jacob himself spent the night in the camp. During the night, Jacob got up and he took two of his wives, his two servants' wives, and 11 sons, and he crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip, and it wrenched it out of its socket. And the man said, Let go of me, for dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let go of you unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. And Jacob named the place Penal, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left this place. So the Bible tells us that Jacob worshipped as an old man leaning on a staff. And it was a product of the fact that back here in the wrestling match, this man touched his hip and took it out of socket. And he never really healed up from that. So the rest of his life, he limped and had had this staff that he had to hold on to, that he had to lean against. And that's why I say the the staff is a symbol of victory, because it reminds us of what is taking place in this story, this big wrestling match. But I want to tell you something. It seems like it's a bad thing for the man to be wrestling with Jacob, but actually this is a good story. This is a positive take On some things uh, in in, uh, Jacob's life. And so I want to share those things with you tonight. And I have a few points I'd like to bring out. And my first point is this guilt will devour you and rob you of your joy. Listen to what King David said after he had sinned with Bathsheba. He said, My sin is ever before me. And then he tells God this he says, Restore the joy of your salvation in me. See, David was guilty. He, everywhere he went, that sin with Bathsheba followed him. And it robbed him of his joy. That guilt he carried robbed him of his joy. And he pleaded with God to restore that joy. How many of you want the joy of the Lord? How many of you feel like sometimes it's hard to have because you look back on your sin and you know what's, what you've done? And it's like, wow, man, I mean, I can just see Jacob and I believe Jacob knew what he'd done wrong. And Harry's about to meet his brother and and all of this is flooding back in his mind. And he he remembers that he, he lied and he deceived his dad. And it was a horrible sin he committed because he wanted that blessing. And it was really supposed to be for his brother. And all this is flooding his mind. I believe that at this point of life, Jacob was a miserable man. Just like many of us. We know Jesus and we're born again believers, but we're miserable because we know what we've done. How many of you would like to get up here and share a little bit of what you've done? None of you will. I get that. You know, I mean, we're not. We're not proud of that. You know, some of us have lied. Some of us. Lust is an issue. Some of us have committed adultery in our hearts. Some of us have hit our wives. Some of us have lost our temper at work and made a mess. I mean, we can go on and on and on and talk about all the things we did. But let me tell you, that guilt will make us miserable. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through life like that. Now, listen, I understand that God is not pleased with our sin. I I get that. But God gave us a whole lot of room there, you know. He says, "Look, if you sin, confess it." And the word "confess" simply means to agree with me that you've sinned. <laughs> and he says, "If you confess that I'm faithful and just to forgive you of that sin." There's ways that God has has provided. But but let me tell you, years later, 17 years, about 15 to 17 years, and this guy is still remembering all what he did to his brother. But but here's here's something that the Lord just stuck out there for me when I was putting this together. He wanted that relationship with his brother so bad. You get that in the story. He's going to send gifts ahead. You know, he wants the relationship with his brother so bad, but he knew that that sin stood between him and his brother. Just like us, we want this relationship with God so bad, but we realize that our sin stands between us and God. I'm going to tell you how bad he wanted this, this relationship. In, in verse 20, it, it tells us this. Jacob says, be sure to say, look, your servant, Jacob, is right behind us. Then he says this. This is how, this is how many of us we want the relationship so bad we're willing to do anything. Look what he says. I will try to appease him by sending gifts ahead of me. <laughs> Boy, as human beings, we sure come up with some dumb ideas. Yeah? <laughs> look, look, I brought, I brought a couple of little, little props here. Cause I, I, I believe that many of us, this, this is how the human mind operates, okay? but we think of life as a glass. And all of us in here know that there's a problem when we're born. We've learned as born-again believers that, that, that we're born with this sin issue, right? And so we get the idea that we can appease God by putting all this good stuff in here in your life. And if you put good stuff in the glass... Eventually, the glass will fill up and it'll push the bad stuff out. Listen, that's how most of us think. That's why, you know, you hear people say, well, I read my Bible. Well, I go to church and I say my prayers and I help little old ladies at Walmart with their groceries. It's because we're conditioned, especially in the world we live in right here in in, in Central Cajun land right here. We're conditioned. How many of you have been taught you got to have penance? (laughs) You know what penance is? Penance is self-punishment to fix something. I grew up with the mindset that I had to do something to punish myself so that I would appease God. And, and, And I would do all this good stuff and try to get all that in there. And this is what I was actually hoping for. In the long run, I was hoping that that all the good when I stood before God, all the good would be more than the bad. And God would say, well done, my faithful servant. Come on in. (laughs) Like Jacob, we try to appease God with all these funny ideas. How many of you realize that you can do all the good in the world and that won't get you one step into heaven? Now, it's good to do good. Don't get me wrong. I'd rather do good than bad. But even Jesus says no one is good. You know what he really was saying? Ain't nobody can do good enough to get there. This is what the Bible says. For by grace, you know what grace is? It means it's undeserved favor. You don't deserve that. <laughs> but God says, I'm going to give it to you anyway. So it says, by grace, you have been saved through Faith, through faith, and that is not of yourself. It is a gift of God, a free gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. All the good stuff you think you can do to appease God and fix that relationship between you and God, let me tell you what God says about that. He says it's like filthy rags. Now, let me tell you something. If you study the Hebrew I hope we don't have any women in here, but it's talking about menstrual rags. You understand? That's what, that's what all the good you think you can do is like to God. And here, here's Jacob. He's got all this guilt, and he wants this relationship so bad that he's willing to do whatever, and he winds up doing the wrong thing. Here's the question. How many of us here tonight... Or maybe doing the wrong thing. And God is like, no, 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 no. That's that's not how you do this. It was it was years later. And and he really wanted to fix it. And he tried to appease God, uh, his brother. The second point I'm going to bring out is. Is this, I, I believe that God is willing to wrestle with you if he needs to, to set you free. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you wrestling with God now. (laughs) And God is just saying, look, I'm not here to hurt you, but I'm here to help you. And God is willing to wrestle. You know, the man in the story just calls him a man. But, But later on, at the end of the story, he names the place Peniel. And Jacob himself says, I have seen God face to face. Jacob understood that this was no ordinary man. That this was none other than Jesus Christ himself, we believe this is what we call a theophany in Scripture, where it was an appearance of Christ before he became that baby that that Mary gave birth to, and I believe it was Jesus Christ himself that that appeared to him and and, and there was a reason, and I believe that that the battle was intense. see I, I believe that the man saw the grip that guilt had on Jacob. I believe he saw that. I believe he could see how miserable Jacob was. And he knew that Jacob really wanted to fix that relationship with his brother, but he saw the grip that 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 guilt had on him. Not only that, but he saw how much Jacob really wanted God. As a matter of fact, in the wrestling match, the man, Jesus, he he tells Jacob, let me go. And Jacob says, I will never let you go. Let me ask you this: this. This is this is what I saw in this, we, we all said we're born again believers, right? And, and we all admit that we're sinners, right? We've all done some stupid things in life that we, if we could go back and change it, we would. But how many of you, in spite of all the stupid things you did, you still don't want to let go of God? You want him more than ever. You want him more than ever. And and Jacob was unwilling to, to turn him loose and, and and to let him go, you know? And I believe God gave Jacob a great gift that night. And I'd like to share that gift with you in the third point, because I've just asked a question, how did God set Jacob free? The first thing that God does, Jesus does in this, he says, what is your name? And Jacob says, Jacob, what is your name? So I'm going to ask you the question tonight. What is your name? See, Jacob knew he could have answered it this way instead of saying, my name is Jacob. He could have answered when when Christ said, what is your name? He could have said, my name is deceiver. My name is liar. My name is adulterer. My name is. Guy with a bad temper, my name is wife beater, my name is kid, you know. God asked him, what is your name? And Jacob had to come clean. He had to say, I'm no good. That's my name. I'm just no good. Seems kind of sad, don't it? But let me tell you how good it really was. Because even though it kind of looks bad and leaves a little bad taste in your mouth, there was a reason why God did that. When Jesus said, what is your name? And Jacob replied, my name is Jacob. I think what God wanted Jacob to know more than anything, it's not so much that you were a liar and a deceiver. That's not really what I want you to know. What I want you to know is I already knew that about you. Before you ever hit your wife the first time, God already knew it. He knew you were going to do that. Before you went to the pornography site, God already knew that. Before you lied to a man, God already knew you were gonna do that. Before you lusted after the woman, God already knew you were gonna do that. And He called you anyway. He called you anyway. Woo! He called you anyway. He called Jacob. Anyhow, Jacob was a deceiver and a liar. He called him anyway. And I think that's why he asked him his name. I want to read Psalm 103 for you and, and listen to what God says in his psalm. And this is this is good stuff here, man. Somebody ought to write a book about this or something. <laughs> listen to what it says. It, and I'm going to start in verse eight. I could have started in verse one. But listen, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry And filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse you. Nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers and hears the, the catch. We are only dust. There's two verses in the Bible that are my favorite verse. One of them says, Thou art mindful that I am only dust. And the other verse is in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now, right now at this moment, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If that don't get you up and going something's wrong. My goodness, God is basically saying, Jacob, I knew you were going to do that, but I called you anyway. I knew you were weak. I know you're a human being and you live in the flesh. And until you die, that flesh is going to haunt you. I know that, but I want you anyway. Man, what a God. (laughs) What a God. Ain't nothing anybody did in this room that God didn't know about before you were born. And God said, I want you anyway. Woo, man. Woo, man. Then back to our story. Not only does he say, what's your name? And Jacob in his guilt says, I'm that no good guy. And God says this. No, no. En contra, mon frère." (laughs) contra mon frère, you will no longer be known as that no good man. You will no longer be known by Jacob. From now on, you got a new name. You got a new name. Revelations chapter two verse seventeen. Let me read that to you. I'm going to read a couple of little verses. This order, if this don't get your socks going up and down, man, I tell you, whew, I'm preaching better than y'all listening. I believe. <laughs> Revelations two seventeen. Anyone with ears to hear, let me check. All of you got your ears right. I thought that's what I thought. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit. It's God's Spirit speaking tonight. I know it's my voice, but it, it's God speaking through me to bring you something. He says ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches, to everyone who is victorious. And to be victorious, you simply have to be born again. It's all it takes. I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. And I will give each one a a white stone, and on that stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. Let me tell you something. You don't understand what your new name is yet, but when you get to heaven and God hands you that white stone and you see what he's been calling you all these years, you're going to rejoice in victory. You got a new name written down in heaven. What's the song say? There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Yeah, man, a new name. He gives Jacob a new name. You're no longer called that. Here's my point for this, guys. Stop identifying yourself with your sin. The world out there does that. If you was a drug head when you were a teenager, they still call you a drug head. The world identifies you by your sin, by your past. God does not. He sees a new creation that he put together with a new name written down in glory. And it's your name that's written there. Each one of you, no matter what you did, it's not an excuse to sin, it's not a license to say, well, if God's like that, then, then I'm just going to do what I want to do. No, but it's to know that rather than feeling the guilt and the pressure of it, you got to know that God loves you and he wants you. Look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, 14 and 15. You were dead because of your sin and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all your sins. He forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of charges against us. God doesn't hold that account against you. And he took it, Away by nailing it to the cross and he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly. The angelic world don't understand how you and I can be born again, can sin and still be a child of God. They don't understand it. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. If you can ever grab a hold to it, you're going to have that joy of your salvation. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. King James says it a little different, but this is what it says in New Living Translation. He says, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin, so we might be made right with God through Christ. Be made right with God. King James says, for he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of Christ. Listen, don't let anybody fool you we're not we, we shouldn't sin and if we do we can we can confess it but when you do listen to me when god sees you he doesn't see your sin now he he sees it cuz he's god but he chooses not to instead he sees the righteousness of christ in you who first john listen to first john First John chapter 3, verse 1. See now, or see how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. You are a child of God. We need to see ourselves that way and not define ourselves by our sin. Now, I'm not, I'm not giving you license to sin and I'm not saying it's okay to sin. That's not what I mean. But when you do, just know that God is still for you. You are still His child and God sees you that way. He chooses to see you that way. Isn't that love? Look how much the Father loves us that He calls us His children. Now, I'm going to say something and you don't have to agree with this, but Louisiana, has a law that if you adopt a child, you cannot disinherit an adopted child. Not all the states have that, but Louisiana does. You know where they got that? From the Bible. Because when you're adopted into the family of God, God cannot disown you. Woo! I don't know about you, but I like to be adopted. (laughs) He can't disown you. So tonight, experience your victory tonight. Jacob leaned on that staff, and that staff always was a reminder of that wrestling match. But let me tell you something. That wrestling match was a good thing for Jacob because that night he finally dealt with all that guilt he had been holding about that sin in his past. And God just said, let it go. Move on. You got a new name. Let it go. And he was victorious. That's how I started this. The staff represents victory for Jacob. And and look, it can represent victory for you tonight, too, because God may be wanting to wrestle that old guilt away from you and replace it with his love and his favor. Replace it with his love and his favor. So what I'd like to do, I'd like for you to bow your heads for a moment. And if Brandon and some of the guys would come up here, we're going to pray. But when we're through praying, if any of you uh, would like to maybe come up here for someone to pray with you, maybe maybe the guilt has been strong in your life and you just felt like God couldn't forgive you, like, man, you're just a miserable person and you just need Well, I don't want to know all your junk. I don't want to hear all the story. Just come on up here and let us pray with you. Maybe you guys in the back can put some kind of music on while they do that. and, And we'll just spend a few moments doing that and then we'll be dismissed. I'll be through. But let's pray. Father, as we come before you tonight, may your Holy Spirit speak to whoever it is tonight that you're trying to reach. Lord, whoever is carrying this deep guilt inside of them, Lord, they need freedom tonight. And so I'm praying that they will have the courage, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, have the courage to come up here tonight and just let us pray with them and and help them to get over this hump and I pray that tonight this group of men can experience freedom from that guilt of sin. it was nailed to the cross, but we still carry it and Lord, use this as an opportunity tonight, like Jacob was set free. Set these men free in Jesus' name. Amen. So while they play a little music, y'all just sit there if you want. If you feel like you want some prayer, just come on up here and we'll pray with you. We'll take a few moments and then we'll be dismissed. Brandon will dismiss everybody. This is your... You had it all if things are bothering you, this is your opportunity to come on up here.